0: of a good conscience, is that you've been washed in the blood. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord. A good atmosphere. And I don't believe the atmosphere exists just in the building, right. but I believe you bring the atmosphere with you. Amen. And so God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord on this Wednesday. And it's we don't want to make a, apologies or excuses for a Wednesday. A right. Wednesday is a church service day. Amen. It's a time Amen. to meet with the Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and that's what we're here for. Amen. Amen. I don't think the devil takes days off. I think he's yeah. always at work, so neither <laughs> right. do we. Amen. Amen. Just want to make a quick announcement. Um, you know, it's summer, and it's nice outside, and it's nice to come to church. I'm, I'm saying that by faith, by the way, that <laughs> part. <laughs> Um, And it's nice to come to church, and then when we dismiss, you know, it's nice to see one another, but we need to be a little bit more respectful of the rules that we as a church have to follow, and so I'm going to ask that when you leave, don't congregate around the back entrance or around the stairs, and I'm not saying you can't talk to one another in, in the parking lot, but maintain the distance that's needed, so if you need to disperse and you know, we're going to put little, those little marks, you see, in the parking lot where you can stand, and then everybody's going to be okay. And So if you can be mindful of that, that would be really helpful, and it'll make the deacon's job easier, and it'll make everybody feel better, and we can also have a good time in the Lord. Amen. Amen. So that's good, and if, you, if you're not going to listen to that, we're going to start naming you by name. So, but God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's just take. Uh, uh, let's just go directly to the word. We've we've said some good singing, and and uh, we're just going to go to the word this evening. So I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Ephesians. Thank you to the musicians. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians was the was the church, the model church that Paul could teach things to. But at the conclusion of the book of Ephesians is Ephesians chapter six, and uh, Paul gets into some things that. Okay, you've been taught all of these things, but now here's how you're going to need to apply them. So we're going to do Ephesians chapter 6. We'll start from verse 10. And uh, I'm not going to preach on the whole armor of God. That's such a wonderful message Brother Harold's ministered on many times. And, and, and we need to be reminded that we've got a, um, an armor and, and a warfare that we're in. But let's just take this, and when you think of this, scriptures, don't just revert back to it, but I want you to do this for me. Think about where we're at. Think about what's in the world today. Think about how much the world has changed in the last six months. Look at the spirits that have risen up. And I say this, God always raises the standard. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, if you and I could look in the other dimension and see some of the things that we're encountering, it would frighten us. And I pray maybe God open our eyes a little bit so we don't get lulled to sleep. We're in a battle. We're not called to a picnic. It's a battle, an everyday battle. He says, so we're against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Paul says it twice in these passages of Scripture, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, Having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. God didn't give us something that, that, that won't work. It's, it'll work if we apply it. And he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father. We've gathered together now for these few moments of time. Lord, we've heard many voices in the world today. We, we may have had some time to be in prayer and different things, but some of us have rubbed shoulders with the world. Some of us have looked upon things and seen things. Lord, in a generation that is beyond comprehension, Lord, we see in the, in the dress and the attire of the people a manifestation of the Spirit that is upon them. We see in the mindset and the disposition and, and the manner, Lord, how that Spirit is coming to a forefront. But, Lord, we also see that within us there's a yearning, there's a desire. Lord, there's even a groaning that we desire to be clothed on with the Spirit of God. Oh, Father, would you come? We yield our vessels, and as we sang the song, if there's anything that was displeasing, we, we just want to bring it under the blood. Lord, come, anoint us all as you speak to us from your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May have your seats. I made mention of what has been since the beginning of the year. We have seen the world, if we would take where we were at at the end of the year and we look at the new year and we we would have cast our eyes and looked over the horizon, I don't believe there's one of us that would have imagined where we'd be today. And we have seen great change. You know, catamalistic type change. It's been on a, on a, on a level that, it, that is beyond. A virus that began and maybe started in the eastern countries, quickly moved and spread across the world. It infected not just naturally speaking people, but it infected minds and it brought about fear and it brought about uh, all types of uh, measures. We saw almost in unison... A wholesale closing of borders. We saw an entire world shut down. A brother in Africa, I believe, penned this. Some of you have been aware of it. It's, it was out several months ago. But he talked about the virus and he said, only one plague. And, and the words were this, only one plague and the world stood still. Only one plague plague and the world governments were humbled. Only one plague and the world powers got confused. Only one plague and that everyone scampered for safety. Only one plague and all the economies shut down. Offices shut down. Streets were deserted. Only one plague and Mecca sent back all their worshipers. Only one plague and Jerusalem turned back all their tourists. Only one plague and the Vatican City closed down. Just one plague, churches shut down, mosques were closed up, sports were postponed, clubs were sealed, the entertainment industry groaned mournfully. just one plague. Now there's more coming, but this is just one. And it said, one plague, don't shake hands, don't hug each other, stay a meter and a half apart, just one plague. There were nations prior to this that were threatening for war. There were countries, bullying countries. There was wars in Syria. There was revolt in Iran. There was crisis in Turkey. There were protests and political unrest. But the plague surfaced and everything stopped. And it said, wars ceased for the plague, unrest stopped, the Olympics shut down, everybody ran into their houses with just one plague. What will you do when plagues upon plagues begin to fall? When the trumpet sounds and Jesus has come with his own blood-washed saints, we won't be here for that by the grace of God, but we are experiencing a dress rehearsal. Now, I, I I don't think that's anything new to anyone. I, I just wanted to put that into a little bit of a perspective. Brother Branham would make a statement, and um, I'm I'm I want to just share maybe how he he would talk about it. But he says, under the last day's spirit, he says, I see a people, and and I I don't I want you just to move with me. I I, I need to. I need to maybe speed up a little bit but just stay with me if you don't mind. If there's something, just agree with the word. And, and, and you know what, there's, there's a risk we have is that we've heard this message so long with our natural ears. But I would say you actually hear with your heart. And your heart should be jumping at the things you see happening. Your heart should be quickened because the Word is coming to pass. My goodness, the things that are happening in the world today, it's, it's almost on an incredible level. Uh, let, let me just read this. I, I've shared this with you maybe before, but Invisible Union. The whole world is proving it's insane. Look at the murders, the insanity. The whole thing is coming to fulfill revelations. We may get to this, but look at those hideous things. It's not natural. Spiritual things that makes people scream for the rocks and the mountains and everything to fall on them. And this is the part I've maybe rehearsed, but the complete total insanity this world will go into. It's almost there now. You can see the footsteps of it. It's marching right on the street. It's right on the church pew. It's total insanity to do things that a human being wouldn't think of doing and being civilized. Can you imagine a government that that is, is supposed to be watching over the land saying, you know what? That makes sense. Let's listen to the people as they call for the police to be defunded. You know, and I, I'm just looking at all the mafia going, yeah, let it happen, you know. And I'm looking at all the gangsters and the people, yes, this is what we've been waiting for. I'll tell you what, it's, it's insanity yeah. to think this way. Yeah. any rate, Brother Branham talked about this, he said, in, in 1953, Brother Branham, I see... A spirit in the last days. I see the people in the spirit of the last days. They're having a form of godliness, and ungodly people. They're giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. Now he would actually go into another place and he quotes and he says, How can God bring on a tribulation without the people getting into the spirit of tribulation first? So it actually takes a bedding ground, and the bedding ground isn't just, as I said, for this church like a spirit, but we bring the spirit. The people are bringing on a tribulation by the spirit that they're holding and they're governing. That's the world around us. We're all under pressure, friends. We meet people that are under pressure. We see people that are on edge, people that don't have answers. People that are marching in the streets are, are people that are college professors, teachers, politicians, people that are, are are people that you should look to, and yet they're given over to these spirits, and it's manifesting. So, brother, I said, how can God bring in a tribulation without the people getting on in a in a tribulation spirit? And I would just say that this whole thing has come on, you know, we didn't see it way back then, but Brother Branham would talk about it. And in 19, you know, he would, he would make, the seeds were sown a while back. And the word was rejected. But he would, he would say, when the word was rejected, he began to prophesy. And he makes this statement, he says, friends and Christians, if God lets this nation get by, he can't let them get by with this awful wave of sin that's sweeping our nation. He said, if God would let us go by the way we are, he'd have to raise Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize for destroying them. Now, in Jezebel religion, he makes this statement. We've said it before. I, 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 I may need to just jump these things quickly and get to the Scriptures I need to get to. But he says, Look at back then when Ahab was on the throne. Jezebel was the head behind the throne. And he says, and he he points that as a dangerous time for America. And he says, we're here free by our choosing. Why would we choose a thing like that? And he says, now my voice, he says, is going to be stopped pretty soon. He says, why? Revelations 2 verse 20. She calls herself a prophetess. And he makes these statements. You watch the wave of sin now. You watch core go plumb to core. And, and, And listen to how he says it. You watch modernistic, ungodly things happen in the churches. Wow. The churches that used to stand for right. The churches that used to hold a standard. He says... And he says, and finally, there will come a persecution. The Bible says so, that's thus saith the Lord. Now the quote I read right from the beginning, which was in Invisible Union, he says the complete total insanity, look at the footsteps of it. It's marching right on the street, right down the church pew, total insanity. So nobody's immune to it. But there is a place of immunity. It's in Christ. It's under the blood. It's in the Holy Ghost. If you ever need to be certain that you have the Holy Ghost, now is the time. You know, I, I, I did share it on, on, on Sunday. But, but the whole, mo- the movements that are sweeping the land and the things that are happening and to look at the agendas that are behind them, they're actually out they're claiming that we're the persecuted. They're, they're, that, you know, that's why we're marching, because we're persecuted. In truth, they're out to persecute us. That's the spirit that's behind it. Okay, now I, 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 I laid that, and, and maybe that was on the heels of, of Sunday a little bit. I, w- I want to s- speak, if I can, on a, on a subject tonight. You can put up the title. Um, Birth Pains of the Oncoming Tribulation. And, and I, I, I want to take it maybe... Brother Mark Kesser just closed in prayer on, on Sunday, and he, he, he told the story of that, that uh, tree that was falling. And he says that tree was falling because it, it, was, it was in a place where the roots had not gotten down. It was water was coming on it. It was just drinking in the water. It didn't have to fight for anything. Therefore, it, it fell much easier. Now... If I, if I can bring it now to this, and, and Brother Branham talking a little bit, and he, and he says this now in the reproach for the cause of the word. God has a time and a season for everything to fulfill his word. He has things planned to do. But he says it has to come about a certain way. Sometimes rugged and hard things only bring out the real, true nature of the object. Rain is born in a jagged, ragged, lightning-strode, thundering skies. Okay, it can stop. Stop. He says, but if we don't have rain, we wouldn't live. I'm doing this to help some of you tonight, okay? He says, you see what it does to bring rain? Thunder, lightning, flashing. Now he, he brings the natural, and he brings it right to the spiritual. He said, a seed must die, rot, corrupt, smell... And go back to the dust of the earth in order to bring forth new life. It takes the pounding of the gold and it has to be pounded and pounded and pounded until the real gold comes out. Nothing happens by accident. God has a time and a purpose to everything he does. Those who love the Lord are called according to his calling. And anytime God does something, the enemy is right there to oppose it. So I, I would say, don't just wait, wait and watch everything unfold. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to be pushing forward. Now I'm, I'm really going to be tying this into where I spoke a few Wednesdays back on, on, "The Lord stirs up the waters." This stirs the people. I'm going to come to that in a few minutes. But let me, let me just take now for a moment, and uh, let's go to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter one. And and if we really take the Exoduses, and, and I'm just gonna make a couple of brief comments, but Exodus chapter one, if you can, and we'll just read from verse one, or let's just read from verse seven, sorry. And I want you to look at the conditions that existed as Israel was coming out. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and they increased abundantly, and they multiplied. And waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt which knew not Joseph. This is much a story like the United States or Canada. He says, And he said unto the people, Behold, the children, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out war they join unto their enemies, and they fight against us, and so get them out of the land. Therefore they did set them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. So here was affliction. Brother Harold made a statement at the very beginning when the whole pandemic started and we felt we were losing privileges. He made this statement when he addressed the church. And and, and we, we read it, we shared it. And he said... The children of God have never let affliction hinder them. It's only brought out the real thing. And it's the same thing now. And he says, so the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they, the Egyptians, were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor They made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service where they made him to serve was with rigor. Now these were the conditions. It looked like it was good. We're in Egypt. Everything's great. You know, and all of a sudden, hey, a new pharaoh comes into power. And all of a sudden he says, hey, I don't like what's going on here. Let's put these people to work. Let's get them engaged. And he, and he began to do something, not realizing he was working according to the plan of God. And the devil, what he's doing, it is not God that is out of control. It's God working it to his glory. Wherever Brother Glenn McIntyre is tonight, thank you for the text before the service. God bless you, because it was a blessing to me. It helped me. Anyway, he said, and, 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 and God is in control, so nothing is out of season. If we look naturally, we're going to feel like we're losing something. But friends, it's going home time. I don't know if we'll ever gather together the way we did before. If we don't, I am looking for a gathering where there's no social distancing. A gathering where we don't have to wear masks or anything like that. But a gathering where we can worship and praise God liberally. We are going home. It is time to go home. So in this, in this very conditions, and you know, much like was said you know, lightning causes things and, and and here God wanted to bring His people out but He allowed this opposition to rise to bring out the glory of God. Amen. Pharaoh was raised up for a purpose. What purpose? God's purpose. Okay, so this is uh, as brief an explanation I'm going to give on the first Exodus. Go with me to Acts chapter 9. Now under the second Exodus we know Jesus came. The first was a natural people out of a natural land. The next, Exodus, was a spiritual people out of a natural. So in Acts chapter 9, we find, now this is after Jesus has left. His disciples are there. Everything's good. They're proclaiming the good news. They're they're doing all of these things. They're in Jerusalem. But God, it was, remember, the Jewish people that turned down Jesus and, and And God was making space like he did in the time of Joseph where a bride could be brought in, a Gentile bride. So in Acts chapter 9, there's this this individual who really is zealous for the Lord. He's a religious person. He's been schooled. He's been learned. And he hears of the Christians and the sect. And he sets out to persecute them. He sets out to bring a persecution on them. He sets to bring out tribulation into their lives. And yet this is the very vessel God's going to use to deliver them. Oh, I like the way God does it. He did it in Pharaoh's time. He did it in Paul's time. And he's doing it in this time again. So in Acts chapter 9, here's Paul, and he's on the road. I won't read the whole story, but he falls, and he meets the pillar of fire. He goes to the house of one named Ananias, and then he's there with him. Ananias is fearful of him, and finally, the Lord speaks to him in verse 15. And He speaks to Ananias. He says, but the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings, And for the children of Israel. So this guy that's persecuting, I I chose him. He's going to work for you guys now. He's going to be on your your side. You know, and and so, you know, I used to play that game when your kids, Red Rover, Red Rover, we call so-and-so over. Well, if they broke through, they were on your side. This guy broke through. He got onto their side. You never played that game? My, oh, my. Too many computer games these days. Okay. So he says, I... Uh, To bear my name before the Gentiles. So a chosen vessel. To bear my name before the Gentiles. And before kings. And the children of Israel. So this message was going to go a lot of places. But, But there was a little catch to this whole thing. And it's in verse 16. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh man, like, Brother Ed, you know, if I would have known you were going to preach on this tonight, I wouldn't have signed up for this service. Too bad. (laughs) It's all the word. (laughs) I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. And so he said, okay, that's Paul. Good for him. You know, he's striped. He's beaten by stripes 30 and 9 times. He's, he's, He's been cast. He's been stoned. He's done all of these things. Hold on a second. Let's let's go a little step further. Let's go to Acts chapter 14. You know, and here's all the children of Israel, and and or not the children of Israel, but here they are coming out, and there's missionaries, there's there are people getting together, and and in Acts chapter 14, Paul goes to a certain place to Iconium, and, and he meets different people, and, and certain Jews come out of the city, and this is just after he'd been stoned. And you know, they're all comforting him and everything. So let's just drop down to verse 20. Howbeit, as the disciples stood around him, he rose up and he came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had reached the gospel of that city and taught many, they they reaffirmed, sorry, and taught many. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And he makes these statements. That we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. I imagine when he got to that part of the service, he was much like you when you heard these words. Ah, man, this is Laodicea. Yeah, it's exactly why I'm preaching this. (laughs) He says, through much tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, I could take to different places in the scriptures. I could go to 1 Samuel chapter 1 where we know that there's a man who had two wives. And he says one was Elkanah and the other one was Hannah. And and Hannah, she didn't have children and the man loved her. and, And yet she didn't have children and yet she was mocked by an adversary. And the adversary mocked her and it caused her to be more grievous. So as a result of the mocking that she was undergoing, it brought out something in her. Something greater that wouldn't have been there had there been no tribulation. And as she began to do this, she began to go in the temple and she began to fast and she began to pray and she began to seek God so much so that Eli the priest he saw her and he thought that the woman was drunk because she was not behaving seemingly. And I'll tell you there are times in your Christian walk that you come to the same where you're literally groaning, where you're literally agonizing, where you're before God because of situations. Maybe because of a boss. Maybe because of somebody at school or somebody at work. Maybe because of somebody in the church world. And you agonize and you groan. But out of this agonizing and this groaning, Hannah, there came a deep cry. And out of the deep cry, she said, Lord, if you give me a child, a male child, because there was something about a male child, if you give him to me, I'll give him back to you for service. And that's what God was looking for. That's what he was desiring. Israel needed a prophet. How did that prophet come about? But through groaning and tribulation. It was a deep pain. Deep birth pains brought it about. Friends, the few liberties that we've been taken, I will not be a prophet and say it, but I say they are only the beginning. And I say we need to have a resolve. We need to be able to be in the Word. And if you're not feeling the pressure already, somewhere we're going to feel it. Now, I want you to go with me to John chapter 16. And this is an interesting passage and reading in the Bible. And it's interesting because Of how it transpired in this day. And if you would want to go and look at the message, it's called Birth Pains. And if you remember the story, it's in Phoenix, and Brother Branham comes to the top, comes to the pulpit, and he's got a new Bible. And he's preaching from the new Bible, and he turns to the Scripture, John chapter sixteen, verse twenty. And he t- flips the page, and it's not there. He starts reading a different thing. He reads, and and he, he's kind of embarrassed. He's sheepish. He said, "Well, it's a new Bible. My wife just got it for me." Uh, you know, like any wife that's sitting there. Yeah, it's me. It's me. No, she, Sister Mita was hanging her head and hiding, and and no, uh, and 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 he couldn't do it. And about that time, a priest comes up. And he says, here, read from my Bible. And, and as he reads from that Bible, Brother Brown goes, you know, he says, that's a misprint. It's a new Bible. It's a misprint. And he reads from the Bible, and the priest says these words to him, God is doing something. Amen. Now, that priest, after his, tried to make a ministry out of that event. But, but the real ministry was what God was identifying. Now, you remember... Well, let's just read this, okay? So this is the part Brother Branham was reading. Verily, verily, I say unto you, you shall weep and lament, and the world shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Now, if you just read the first part, you shall weep and lament, and the world shall rejoice. I mean, how many want to sign up for that? And he says... And you shall be sorrowful. But then there's that last sentence. But your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Amen. You know, it, it's interesting how, you know, we got such long daylight hours. I was sending a picture as I was going home, and it was about midnight, and there was light in the sky in the north. And I was send, sending it over to a brother in Africa who lives close to the equator. The sun, in, in summer, it's like 30 minutes longer. And in, in, the, in the winter, it's, it's 30 minutes shorter. So they, they, you know, they know about longer daylight hours. Yeah. <laughs> Not like us. And so, they, they know, but I sent him a picture of the northern sky, and, and, and I showed him the picture, and, and I said, this is just before midnight. And I said, and the sun will be up by five. And he sends it back, that's very strange. <laughs> like, he didn't, he didn't get it at all. But, you know, the, Brother Fred, who was here last year, I sent him, he says, oh, how blessed you are to su- live in such a wonderful climactic zone. I said, brother... Come visit us in January, and we will tell you the rest of the story. At <laughs> any rate, I said all of that because, you know, you, you see the sun setting, and then it, it comes up, and there's an interesting thing, and I was over in Africa, you know, you're up early, and, 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 and I, was, I was in a hotel where they had all kinds of trees behind, and, and you know, before the sun ever gets up, the songbirds are singing. Like they're just starting, why are they singing? There's an oncoming light. The light is coming. Their focus isn't the darkness, but it's the light. And my friend, our sorrow will be turned to joy. There's an oncoming light. This is the darkest it's ever going to be for the believer. But there's an oncoming light. So anyway, he says, your sorrow shall be turned to joy. A woman when she is in travail has sorrow. Because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. For joy that a man is born into the world. And I say this when you get the new birth, When your old nature dies and your new one comes up, there's a joy that accompanies it that is beyond comprehension. Nobody can tell you about the joy that comes with knowing God, knowing you're redeemed, knowing you cannot be lost, knowing that you're forever a child of the King. So this is the scripture that Brother Branham was referring to. Now, about a month later, Brother Branham comes and preaches a message, this day, this scripture is fulfilled. And he goes back to Isaiah chapter 61, and in Isaiah chapter 61, he gives the account where Jesus picks up the scroll that's been given to him by the priest, and as the scroll has been given to him, he reads the scripture, but then he stops And very specifically, now I'll come back to that in a minute, but I think it's noteworthy that the prophet was speaking on birth pains when the Lord stopped him. Not stopped him, but identified that happened before. So, birth pains. Now, I I could just focus on that, but I I won't. We'll jump out over to verse 33. Jesus is in this passage talking to his disciples, and he's telling them, do you believe? You know, da-da-da-da. And then he says in verse 33, these, these notable cheery words to you. These things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Oh, man, here it is again. But he doesn't stop there. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Is it possible, Brother Ed, to rejoice in the Lord in the midst of a pandemic? Absolutely! It's possible that you can have the joy of the Lord. It's possible. Why? Because we're not living for this world. We're living for another world. Now I'll just go back quickly to to Isaiah, the the portion of Scripture that Jesus was, was reading. Isaiah chapter 61. Sister Ruth, I didn't give you all these Scriptures, so don't worry. If you get to them, you get to them. I'll read them quickly. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Stop. So it's identified that portion pertained to the time that Jesus was living in. But there'll have to come a time that the Spirit of God will pick up the rest of the Word. And the rest of the Word is the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. God's going to stand for His people. God's going to bring a restoration. God's going to bring a back, a fullness into the body that hasn't existed since a certain time. Now he says this also in verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. Zion is representative of the bride. To give unto them beauty for ashes. Now look at the things that accompany this. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he should be glorified. Isn't that wonderful? All right. Now, I, I, I could take this in terms of first Exodus. It was through tribulation that it was born. You know, even the plagues that came upon Egypt, the plagues that came there was God bringing about a deliverance for a people. The The time that Jesus came in and the disciples, all of the disciples, maybe with the exception of of one died, uh, only one lived to die a natural death, and that was John. But he says, all the others died in persecution. Paul, the messenger, was continually persecuted. Why? God was doing something, and the enemy was against it. And he always is. Now do you think if that's the enemy that was there in the first exodus, that was there in the second exodus, is what's he going to act like in the third? Okay, yeah. this is just, let's, let's be established in the word. Yeah. Let's not be discouraged by things that would come against us. Yeah. Let's not, let's be Christian soldiers. Yeah. Let's be real knowing who we are knowing where we stand. Now, we really, under this exodus, we are being restored to what Paul actually brought in the original. We are being restored. It's the culmination, the wrapping up of the Gentile ages. And at the same time we are being restored, the Jews that were being rejected are being brought back and restored into their land. So this type of restoration, God already put forth in the Bible. And he put it out when Israel, who was sold because of their sins and all the things they did, they were sold into slavery for 70 years. So that was the time that they were in Babylon. So now I, I touched on that last time, and I'm going back to it. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 36. Second Chronicles chapter 36. And this is a scripture we read last time just to kind of pick up where, where that time was. So, Chronicles is a record of all the kings. Zedekiah was the last king he's spoken of in chapter 11 to 21. He was the last king. His eyes were put out and, and went before they went into slavery. Now, it says at the end of the Chronicles, it says in verse 22, Now, in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia... That the word of the Lord that was spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. So prophecy is there until the Spirit of God picks it up and makes it real. So Jeremiah had said 70 years. And even when he prophesied, there was another prophet that rose up called Hananiah and said, no, it'll only be two years. And Jeremiah said, amen. Amen. But the word of God by Jeremiah stood. I need need to share something because this was just wonderful today when I came on it. And it it was such a blessing. This is Brother Branham speaking. And then the Spirit of God catches it. And listen to this. This is in 1961. Be not afraid, it is I. And he says, remember, thus saith the Holy Spirit. This is your last sign. Write it in your Bible. If something rises beside this and is greater than this, call me a false prophet. He says, that's quite a statement. I watch what I say. I'm in contact with better than 10 million people around the world. So I have to say that and I don't say that of myself. There will never be another seventh messenger. There will never be another Elijah. There's only one spirit. And under the spirit of Elijah, all that are under him are under the spirit of coming back. Are under the spirit of coming back to the original faith. The original faith of the fathers. That's what we're under. So in the first year of Cyrus, now... I want you to look, and I'm going to go over some services with this, so I'm only taking one aspect of it today. But he says that the word of the Lord might be, that was spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah, might be accomplished by the spirit of Cyrus. He made a proclamation through all his kingdom, and he put it in writing. So this king, who was just a king, he wasn't religious, he wasn't whatever, he was a ruler in Babylon. He was actually the fourth king that was there in that time. And he said, thus saith Cyrus, King of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me. And he said, and he hath charged me to build a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So how did this all come? Because the spirit of the Lord stirred up his spirit and put it on his heart and put it on his mind. How is it that that even the leader in the United States got stirred up and say, I'm gonna move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. God can stir them up. God can move those things. So the the restoration has many facets to it. And God can deal on many fronts. So he said, God has stirred it up, and then he makes this proclamation. Because who is this? Who is there among you, all of his people? My hands are up. I'm one of them. And he says, The Lord, his God, be with him and let him go up. So that's written there at the end of the Chronicles. But if you go now right over to the next book, which is the book of Ezra. Now, I don't believe the Bible makes mistakes. But it actually repeats verses 22 and 23 all over again. The same words. In the first year of Cyrus, King of Persia, that the word of the Lord might be fulfilled... Now, Ezra is the beginning of the restoration. God had made a promise. In fact, he told Jeremiah, who was in the land, he said, Jeremiah, you've got a field that your uncle has. Your uncle has a field. Go and purchase the field. And when you purchase the field, put these vessels in an earth, put these documents in an earthen vessel and bury it in the field. Thus saith the Lord, this land will be inhabited again. What is it? Seals that had sealed up the plan of God. We're going to be loosed at the end time. That the spirit of that the word of the Lord could be fulfilled. Now, these things are not just history, they are God showing us in a prophetic form what He's doing. So here it starts in Ezra. Now Ezra was really one of the first to leave Babylon. And he was a priest. And he began to move. Now what was he being moved under? He was being moved under the Spirit of God that had already started in Cyrus and had already started in Daniel. Daniel was over there in the land. It was the 68th year. Daniel all of a sudden gets a burden to go in prayer. He starts reading the books and he says, I understood by the reading of books that we had accomplished 68 years. And something came upon Daniel that was, caused him to pray and to fast. And this is another scripture that I'm going to come to. But it caused him to seek God earnestly. I, 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 I sometimes worry when people just take the message and say, Oh yeah, God sent a prophet. Yeah, we're going to go in. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. We all have a part in the laboring and the building. This is not about preachers. It's about every one of us. This book of Ezra will show that to you. Now, I I put up last time a chronologically of, of, of the scriptures. I'm not going there today, but stay with me. The book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah, are a continuation of the chronicles, but they begin to document the going back into the land. And at the time that was happening, there was already an Ezekiel. There was a Jeremiah. There was also three prophets that were very integral to these books. And those prophets were Zechariah, Haggai, and I believe Zephaniah, I think is the other one. I may have it wrong, but those are the three. They were all part of this thing. Now, let's read in, 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 in he- Ezra. Now, he, he, he makes the same words in verse 3. Who is there among you of all his people? His God, go with him. Let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth. And he he says now, he's actually empowering them and giving them things. Now, I'm not going to read it all, but in verse 5, Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites... Now look at the terminology. All of them whose spirit God had raised. Friends, what is it? When I heard this message, it raised my spirit. I'm a part of it. You're a part of it. You ought to just say, I got to pray. I'm a part of it. I'm a worker. I don't care who I am. But I am a part of this restoration. And he said, let's go build the house that is in Jerusalem. Now you can read verses 6 to 11, how they were given all of these vessels and different things. And and you can do that. Chapter 2 actually numbers all of the people. And it gives them individually, showing your name cannot be lost. Your inheritance will not be lost. You're as much a part of this move. God knows everyone. In fact, what he said Malachi 4, he says, I send you, who? Those that were predestinated to be a part of it. I'm sending you the spirit of Elijah. Amen. Amen. So now we go down to Ezra chapter 3. Now they get into the land. And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man, to Jerusalem. Then stood up Joshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priests. So here's the priesthood. And Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and his brethren, and they builded the altar of God. Now you remember Zerubbabel from where? The book of Zechariah. Zerubbabel, whose hands laid the foundation crying grace, grace, grace. Why? Zechariah, those prophetic words existed at the time of the restoration. And they exist for us today. So he says, and Joshua and his brethren, and Zerubbabel the son and his brethren, and they all builded the altar of of God of Israel to burn burnt offerings. So They go into this. I'm not going to get into this. I'm not going to have the time, but I'm I'm trying to lay the principle of of everybody being in pain to build this together. Go with me, if you will, quickly to Zechariah chapter 3. Hold your finger in Ezra if you want. But Zechariah chapter 3, this is one of the prophets that was there. Now, this is happening natural down here. You can see Here the king, he stirs it up, the people start moving out, they're given gold, they're given different things, they're moving out, they get to the land, they're there, but now in a spiritual realm, the prophet goes up to another level, and he picks something up, so Zechariah was the prophet. So now in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1, and he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. So what's down here, but what's up there? It's the same thing. And Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Ah, where did this guy come from again? I thought we were going in. Yeah, we're going in. And we're going we're to defeat him. And we're going to trample on him. And, and we're going to overcome him. And the Lord said unto Satan... The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? Who's he talking about? Joshua the priest. He's a part that God has chosen. God's empowered. God's put his spirit on. That's the one that was there. But he also prophesies, hey, this guy named Satan's going to be there. Now pop pop back to Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3, if you will. Verse 6. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. And I'll say this. I, I, I don't have the time to get into a message like that today. But you go back to Elijah before he ever called down fire from heaven. First, he had to repair the broken altar. First, he had to correct the things that were wrong. And I'll say this. This generation needed the Word of God restored that was lost through dark ages. But Elijah came to restore that Word, to repair the broken altar. (laughs) And I'll call Brother Andrew up here to sing Behold, He Comes Again. But I'll tell you what, Elijah repaired the broken altar. But the foundation of the temple was not yet laid. So here they're working. They're giving money unto the carpenters. They're doing all of these things. And, and, and they're coming. Now, because it tells that there was Satan resisting him, watch what happens down here now. In verses 8 to 13, there was great joy. And they celebrated the feast. There they, they was just singing and shouting. Now, all of this happening... Don't think Brother Bantam actually said of Jeffersonville, he says, you're one big happy group. He says, Satan's not going to let you stay that way. Hey, if things are going good, watch for him to come along and do something. That's the time to buckle up. That's the time to stand shoulder to shoulder. So he says now, chapter 4, verse 1, here they're just starting to restore the temple. The foundation, and when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity built the temple of the Lord, then they came to Zerubbabel, to the chief of the fathers, and said unto him, let us build with you, (laughs) look at, do you think they really wanted to build? Why were they called adversaries? It's like the sect of the Pharisees that believed. Why were they still called Pharisees? (laughs) so they said, come, let us build with you. We seek your God as you do, and we sacrifice unto him. But Zerubbabel and Joshua, they're empowered by something. And they said, and the rest of the chief of the elders said, you have nothing to do with this. You have nothing to do with us to build a house of the God. But we ourselves together will build the Lord of Israel as the king of Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. And they went away and let them do their business. No. (laughs) Verse 4. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. Don't think for a minute as you're journeying merrily along the way, Satan's going to let you stand. Stand therefore. And having stand, continue to stand doesn't matter what comes. God's going to turn on the light when it's time. God's going to vindicate those that are His. Brother Ed, why are you preaching this? I don't know. I don't know what's coming. I didn't know what was coming at the beginning of January. I don't know what's coming beyond this. But I say this, God has already showed us what He's going to do in type, and He's going to show us as we go along in reality. So They troubled them in building. Verse 5, they didn't actually stop there. They hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, just think about this for a moment here. Way back in the 50s, before, before the wave of sin really took a hold, there was people... It was harmless stuff that they were doing back then. You know, b- blowing bubble gum in school. You know, you know, being late for class. Sticking out their tongue. You know what it is today? Bringing revolvers, drugs, rape in schools. The wave of sin. But he says they hired counselors. So the devil's shrewd enough... That he doesn't just allow people to get evil, but he begins a teaching. He begins to bring teachers and professors, and he began to bring, what's his name? I, I better not say his name because it, it rings something else, but the guy who said, you don't need to spank your children, because there's a better way to bring them up. Friends, where did that come from? You know, we think it's oh so harmless. And yet how many of these things have become teaching over the years and as each generation goes, the Bible says, weaker but wiser and smarter and more shrewd. Don't think for a moment the devil hasn't infiltrated the education system, the political system. Everything coming out now has been inspired from another realm. You can't put your trust in that. You can put your trust in this. And thus saith the Lord for this day. I, I could read more. It talks about how they did all of these things and, and began to rise up and do things. I, if I would have had time, I would have gone into Nehemiah, but I'm going to keep you to my promise. Nehemiah is another part of this. But Nehemiah was also in a battle. Let me just, let me just take this part. I won't even read it. If you want, you can read These scriptures, it'll give you a good background. But but just read them. Nehemiah comes along, the temple is now built, but the walls of the city are not built. And anybody can come in. And he's the king's cupbearer, and he comes in before the king, he's sad. And there's a really interesting part to Nehemiah. He comes before the king, tells him he's sad, and the king says, Why are you sad? You know, a cupbearer was a trusted person at that time. A cupbearer had to take a drink before the king did. He had to be trusted enough that if he would drink poison, he would fall over before the king would. Because the king had many enemies. And and the cupbearer became one who had the king's confidence and who had something about him. And the king actually goes to them. Why are you sad? And the scripture actually says, and the queen sat beside the king. Who was the queen? Esther. (laughs) Read it, it's in the Bible. And the queen sat there. I, 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 listen, you, you, I, I don't want to drop a bomb and change the whole service here. That's a different service. But you read it. Nehemiah is there and he says, what you said? Well, the walls of the city are broken down. It's this and this. He says, okay. He says, I'm going to give you a power and you're going to go back and you can build the walls. And he comes by night and he looks at all the walls and he's looking around. And as he's looking, they're broken down and he begins to weep. He begins to break. The walls of Jerusalem! The ones that David said, build the walls, O oh God! They're broken down and he's weeping, he's burnt, he's burdened! This is years after Ezra. Friends, the restoration we're under didn't just start with Brother Branham. It, it doesn't, it hasn't stopped yet. It's being, happening now. We're a part of the restoration. We're a part of this program. And we've got to fight! Listen, I can't, I gotta just read this, I'm sorry. Nehemiah chapter 1, sorry about that, but I said I wasn't going to, it just fits in here. Nehemiah chapter chapter 1, verse 10. It's right behind the book of Ezra, which is on page 541 if you have the same Bible as I do, but it says, uh, hang on a second, that was not the one I wanted. I wanted verse 17, sorry. No, here, verse 10. Sorry, I, I was read Chapter 2, verse 10. My fault. So he comes and he spies out the walls. Verse 10. And when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobai the servant, the Ammonite heard of it. Heard of what? Nehemiah coming back to restore the walls. He says, they heard of it. They were grieved exceedingly that there was a man that was come to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. This guy wants to do good, and these three guys don't want to do good. They're bad guys. Men of the baser sort. You know, so here, if you read here in verses 11, how he, he goes through and he's weeping as he sees all of these things, and, and he begins to, to read it, uh, and how it happens now in verse 17, he says, you see the distress that we're in. These are birth pains. This, this didn't happen easy. He says, how Jerusalem lies waste and how the gates are burned with fire. Let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. And then I told them of the hand of God that was on me in the king's work. And they said, let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their hands for this work. And when Samballat the Horonite, and Tobai, the servant, and Geshen, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you will do? You rebel against the king. Friends, don't tell me you haven't heard the laughter. Don't tell me that you haven't heard those that would be around the message and would begin to mock. You believe that? You're an off You're this, you're this. It's the same spirit. But we're empowered by a restoration of the Word of God. Amen. And he answers in verse 20, Then answer I and them said, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. Therefore we, His servants, will arise and build but you have no portion, no right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. What Ezra said some many years earlier, Nehemiah picks up the same spirit. You want to come and help us? Sorry, you got no part of this. You're not even in the program. I'll say this we don't exclude people, but we exclude spirits. I don't need to hear teaching from denominations. I don't need they might have good things to say, but I'm under another spirit. My goodness, I wanted to read quotes from birth pains and different things. I'm not going to get there tonight. But you see where we're going. Musicians, come. I'm going to take you back to one more scripture. And I'm saying this. Go to Ezra chapter 6. Ezra chapter 6. If you want to read these, because I'll likely come back to this on a few Wednesdays. Ezra chapter 6. There's opposition that comes against Ezra. I won't get into all of it tonight. And uh, let's just go to verse 14. And the elders of the Jews build it. So they saw everything out there. And they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo. And they prospered. Builded and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel, according to the commandment of Cyrus Darius Artexus, king of Persia. So if you look at the circumstances, you're gonna slow down, you're gonna get paralyzed. But if you look at the prof- prophetic part, they said they prospered through the prophesying of Zechariah. What did Zechariah prophet? Not by might. Not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's what he prophesied. That's what gave them strength to stand up against opposition. Friends, when you get in the word and you hear the prophet, it gives you strength. It causes you to rise up. It causes you to pray. It causes you to do things. And the devil wants to deaden you. Oh there's a virus, there's this, there's this. Get in the Word! Get in prayer! Let God embolden you! Let God empower you! Let's stand together. There's my encouragement and mission for the night. Well, there's only one song we can sing. <laughs> Not by might. That's right. Not by might. Oh no by power